Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Richard Church, and I just wanted to take a moment before the lesson today to let you know about a, an upcoming opportunity for some edification and Christian fellowship. I'm going to be the Bible teacher at Northern Grace Youth Camp's first family camp, which will take place June 29th through July 5th in Gillette, Wisconsin. The theme of the Bible messages will be transformed. And in addition to the Bible teaching and discussion, uh, the camp has lots of indoor and outdoor activities for you to enjoy. Uh, If you're interested and you want more information or for registration, check out the Northern Grace Youth Camp website at www.ngyc.org. Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters... Do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Now, uh, in these, these three different kinds of relationships, the, the uh, husband-wife relationship, the child-parent relationship, and now the, the servant-master relationship, you know, those are three very different kinds of, of things. Uh, the, the marriage relationship, for instance, Two people willingly choose to enter into that relationship, but once they've entered into it, it is a lifetime commitment. It's a, it's a, a lifetime thing. Now, the child-parent relationship is very different because the parent didn't choose who their child was going to be and the child didn't choose who their parent was going to be. Uh, now, the servant-master relationship is very different. Now, understand, there's, there's two kinds of servants in the Bible, and Paul's instructing both of them here in this passage But uh, uh, there's really only one that would apply to any of us. Uh, Notice at the end of verse 8, he says, whether he be bond or free. The the word servant, today we might use the word employee. And what we call an employee today in the Bible would be somebody who was referred to as a hired servant. When we think of somebody being a servant, you know, we maybe get a little bit of a, a wrong picture of what the, the Scripture is talking about. But a, a high, what the Bible would call a hired servant would be similar to what we call an employee. It's somebody who has, has agreed to perform a certain job for a certain pay, but at the end of the day, they go, they go home to their own house, to their own family, and they're free in the sense that they can decide to quit that job. They can decide to take another job. They're not, they're not bound to that master. Now, in the Bible, there were also servants that were bond servants. And uh, a bond servant would be somebody who, uh, maybe through racking up a debt or, or some, other, you know, some other way, uh, they had some, some 
payment they couldn't pay, and so they were put into bond service. They were put into service where they were bound to a master, meaning they weren't free at the end of the day to go home. They weren't free to, to uh, quit their job because they were bound generally for a period of time, for a number of years, to that master. Now, the instructions that the Scripture gives in this passage apply equally well to bond servants as to hired servants or employees. And you may not think of yourself as an employee. You may not think of yourself as a servant. We kind of think of that as kind of a, kind of a demeaning term, maybe. But it's not meant in a, in a demeaning way. All right? A servant would be somebody who serves. And in your, in your workplace, you are serving somebody. And uh, the instructions here apply. Now, it says to servants to be obedient to them that are your masters. Now, it makes it clear that these are masters according to the flesh. Now, the, the, the scripture warns, by the way, about putting ourselves in certain kinds of service to, to men according to the, the flesh. Uh, the scripture says to be not the servants of men. Actually, you know, with, with Old Testament Israel... Uh, God had certain regulations in place where Israel, as God's people, they there were different standards for how they were to treat Hebrew servants, their fellow Israelites, and how they were to treat Gentile servants. And those standards were because God was trying to trying to keep Israel from becoming servants, but it was okay for them to take servants of the Gentiles. All right. Now, likewise for us as, as believers, you have to be careful about who you put yourself in service to. And there are some jobs that, that, you know, they may pay good money, they may have good benefits, but Christians should greatly consider whether they should really be in those positions because that job may require some things of you that may conflict with your service that you owe to, to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have a, we have a service that we owe to God, and we need to be careful we don't put ourselves into positions where we make commitments that will conflict with that service to God. Now, it says to be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. And let me just say before we go further, in any of these matters of authority, and that's what we're talking about in these things, God has given the husband authority over the wife, he's given parents authority over children, and here it talks about the masters having authority over servants. You realize that there are always different levels of authority. And when those authorities come into conflict, you follow the higher authority. Right when it says to be to be obedient to them that are your masters, uh, if a if a master according to the flesh were to command you to do something in disobedience to to God or to God's word, your responsibility would be to follow God's word and not that that lower authority. So it's not an absolute statement when it says servants be obedient. Uh, that's true as well of uh, whether it be of government or any of these these roles of authority. Uh, that it's, it's better to obey God than to obey man. But most of the time, you're not, you're not in that situation. Most of the things that an employer is going to ask of an employee are not things that are going to violate God's word. And that's what it's describing here. So it says to be obedient to them, and it says to do it with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Now, that's where in, in each of these situations, the marriage, the family, and here the workplace, it always relates it back to Christ. Remember in marriage it said to the wives to be, to be uh, subject to their husbands, 
um, as as Christ is the head of the church, it says uh, that the husband is the head of the wife. And so back in chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Right? So it says to the wife, she's to be subject to her husband like she's subject to Christ. To the children, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And here it says to the servants, Be obedient to them that are your masters uh, as unto Christ. And so when you think about that, and, and uh, you know, for those of you that are employees of someone else, and you think about how, how does that mean that I would have to serve that employer if I'm to serve that employer as unto Christ? You see, really what the passage is saying is that how you serve that employer as an employee, as a, as a hired servant, how you serve that employer is how you are serving Christ. If, if you're failing to do that, if you're not serving as you ought in that position, you're not just failing that employer, you're failing Christ himself. Okay? And so it says to do it as unto Christ. Now, it says to do it with fear and trembling. And again, that's the, the same kind of fear that the Scripture often talks about, a fear of the Lord. Now, you understand that as believers, it says we're not given the spirit of fear. All right? We're not, we're not in fear of God in the sense that many unbelievers are. Many unbelievers are in absolute fear of God. They are in fear of death because even many unbelievers uh, recognize that there is a judgment. And they fear having to stand before God, and rightly so, because they know they don't measure up. Now, as a believer in Christ, you understand that... Your, your failings, the fact that you don't measure up, it was all paid for in Christ. And that there is no, you don't have to fear God in the sense of fearing His judgment. But the Bible often talks about fearing God in the sense of respecting His authority and His position that He has. Recognizing that He is God and you're not. And as God, that gives Him some prerogatives that you don't have. And it, and it gives you a responsibility to, to respond to who God is in a positive way. Right? And that, that kind of fear, again, it's not, it's not a fear of God's judgment, a fear of His holiness, because I hope that you've placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that uh, you understand that through Christ, Christ's righteousness is applied to you. If you put your faith in Christ, you can stand before God without any fear whatsoever of the judgment or wrath of God, because you're just as righteous as Christ is. Okay, and that, that seems like kind of a bold statement, but that's what the Scripture says. I, you know, I'm not the one saying that. That's what, the, that's what the Scripture says, that Christ's righteousness is imputed to the believer. But this kind of fear and trembling, again, is that, that respect of that position of authority, and it's saying that the same kind of, of fear and trembling that you would have toward God, that's what you're to have toward an employer. It says to do it in singleness of your heart. In singleness of your heart, meaning that when, when you're there on that job, that is your one issue of the heart is to serve that master. Uh, scripture talks about those who try to serve two masters. And again, this is, this is why it's important not to put yourself in a position where, you know, you have these conflicting masters over you. But uh, 
when, when you're there serving that master, to do it not in, double, not in doubleness of heart or duplicity, where you're thinking about serving this thing and this thing at the same time, but where you can just commit yourself to serving that, that one master. We're going to see some verses a little bit later on that, that reflect on that. Uh, but, but it says to do that in the same way that you would under Christ. Hopefully, that's the way you think about serving Christ. The scripture says to set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, in Colossians chapter 3. And understand that that, that affection, it, oftentimes people misquote that verse from Colossians, and they quote it as, set your affections on things above. But you know in the Bible, when the Bible talks about affections in the plural, it's almost always negative. It's talking about the affections of the flesh and how the flesh gets pulled toward all these different things, all these different desires that you have. But what the scripture says is to set your one singular affection on things above. Have that be your only affection. You see, that's what's called singleness of heart. And when you have a singleness of heart in serving Christ, the way you serve Christ in that workplace is to serve that master with that same singleness of heart. Okay? Uh, verse 6 says, not with eye service. Now, if you've ever worked for an employer, uh, you know that there are some employees that do a good job all the time. And you know that there are some employees that when the boss is around, they, they are the best employee in the world, right? They do everything they're supposed to do. They do it quickly. They, they work hard. They, but as soon as that boss leaves the room, the work stops, right? That's eye service. That's, that's serving based on whose eyes are around, whose eyes are, are, are looking. And it's not really serving that master, it's serving eyes. It's serving the, the one who's looking. It says not, to, not with eye service as men pleasers. Not just seeking to, to, to do what's going to gain you favor, but doing what you're supposed to do in that job that you have. Uh, but it says as the servants of Christ doing the will of God, from the heart. Now, I'll tell you that many of the things here in this passage about employees, sometimes there's a, t- today with so many, you know, motivational speakers and that kind of thing out there, there is a, a tendency sometimes uh, among some preachers to kind of take principles of the Word of God and just turn them into a motivational speech. And I've heard people take passages like this and, and talk about this is the way to have success in your job is to do these things. But you know, that's not always true because the scripture says that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not always true that the employee who does the best job all the time advances above the employee who does it with eye service as men pleasers. Oftentimes, those employees that are the ones that are able to put on the good show, often they advance above employees that are really the best workers. Okay, there's no guarantee that if you follow these things that you're going to get the raise that you want or the promotion that you want or that you're going to advance above everybody else. Often it works just just the opposite. Okay, so to treat these verses as just a way to to advance in your job or or, you know, make more money or be successful really misses the point. The point here is to serve God without a consideration of all those other things. You see, if you're doing the things here with the motivation of, I'm going to do this so I can get a raise and I can get a higher position, now you're not doing it with singleness of heart anymore. See, now you're going to tend to be like those that are doing it with eye service as men pleasers, not as those who are serving God by, by serving that master in the workplace. And uh, 
the, you see there that it says to do it as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, we've talked before about the will of God, and many people just kind of have this sort of, sort of fuzzy conception of the will of God. The will of God is something that's laid out for you in God's Word. And when people say, well, you know, I have to, I have to think about whether this is the will of God or not, often what they're looking for is some feeling or, or something like that to try and confirm whether they're making the right decision, when often what they ought to be doing is going to God's Word and finding out what are the principles there and making decisions based on that. You see, it says that for you to serve your employer in singleness of heart, not with eye service, uh, as, as men pleasers, it's saying that is to do the will of God. You see, when you're there in that workplace and you're following these verses and you're serving as you ought to serve, you are doing the will of God. That's not a, there's not a, an issue there whether you have to figure out what the will of God is. If you're there in that, in that workplace and you have chosen to be there, right? Nobody's forced you to be there. You've chosen to be there. You've entered into an agreement with that employer to serve them as, as their employee. It is God's will for you to serve them in the way that these verses describe. Uh, now, again, you know, situations may come up and you may have a time where there's that conflicting authority and you have to choose to serve God rather than serve men. But even in those cases, you do that by going to God's word and finding out what God's will is. And if a situation arises where God's will is in conflict with what that, that authority says, you follow God's will. But my point there about the will of God is the will of God is something you can know. It's not something you guess about. It's not something you, you look for some feeling to confirm. You go to God's word and you learn God's word the way you ought, and you spend the time there, and you'll know what God's will is, and you can, you can make decisions based on that. And so verse 6 says that to serve a master in that way is to do the will of God, and it says to do it from the heart. See, that's the difference between the, that, what you might consider that good employee and the one who serves with eye service. The difference between them is the one does you know, works good all the time because they're doing it from the heart. The, the one who's just doing it with eye service, they don't care about that job. They don't care about doing a good job. They care about getting recognition. They care about advancement. They, they care about those things. All right? Now, sometimes you'll have a good employer that's able to see through that. Many times you won't. Many times, again, many times that employer, he falls for that eye service. But sometimes you'll get a good employer that's able to see through those things. And, and if you have a job like that, working for an employer like that, uh, hold on to it. Because, you know, that's, that's the kind of employer later when we talk about masters that is going to reflect the things that are described there. It says in verse 7, With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The whole point here is to serve your master, your employer. Maybe you don't like that word master, um, but uh, again, it's not, it's not meant in a, in a negative type thing. It, it, the word we would use would be employer, but it's saying to, to serve that employer as you would serve the Lord. When that employer gives you an instruction and they say, I want you to do this thing, it doesn't make any sense to you, and it seems like, like wasted effort, Think about if, if the Lord were instructing me in that way, would I question it like that? You see? Um, would, I, would I hate my job as much if, if I was working for the Lord himself? Now, 
a lot of people, in considering that, they think, well, mo- you know, most, most employees, especially out there in the world, they tend to think of their employer as the devil himself, or if he's not the devil himself, he's a close relation. But uh, realize that, you know, it, it, so, so when you say something like this, do it as unto the Lord, a lot, of, a lot of Christians would say, well, the Lord wouldn't treat me the way my employer treats me. Don't be so sure. Uh, understand that even, even a, a bad employer that you have actually may be more lenient on you than what the Lord would be as a master. Let, let me uh, show you a passage. Go to Luke chapter 17. I want you to understand what the, what the Lord talks about here as the requirements for servants. Okay? Luke chapter 17, the Lord here is going to tell a parable to his disciples in verse 7, Luke chapter 17, verse 7. It says, But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. And that word trow means, we would say, I think not. Okay? Uh, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You know what the Lord, you know what his, his standard there is for servants? He says, if you only do everything that's commanded of you, if you only do everything that's in your job description, if you only do all of that, you're an unprofitable servant because that's all you did. Because... You're unprofitable because a profit is going to be the increase, right? So when you agree to work for an employer, you agree to do a certain amount of things, he agrees to pay you a certain amount of money, okay? If, if all you do is what you agreed to do, then you haven't brought a profit to the master. All you've done is just made an exchange of what, you know, what both of you valued. He valued your labor, you valued his money, and it's an even exchange. He, he says to them, as servants... He says, if all you do is what you've been commanded, you're an unprofitable servant. He says, if, if your servant comes in at the end of the day, and he's been plowing in the field all day, are you going to say, come and, and sit down, to, you know, sit down and you take your meal before me? He says, no, you're going to expect that servant to, to serve you and, and feed you. And then after all that's done, after everything that's required of him is done, then he can eat and drink. Now, you see how the, the Lord, you may, you know, after reading something like that, you may question whether you really want to serve the Lord. But that's what the Lord says is required of a servant. By the way, when you read a passage like that, aren't you glad that Scripture says that in the household of God, you are no more a servant but a son? You realize your status in the household of God, and when it comes to serving God, your status in the household of God is not like that servant in that passage. By the way, that, the, the point of that passage is to show the futility of human effort and human works. When you apply that to something like the keeping of the law, the point would be, if you kept everything that was commanded, right? The law is God's standard of righteousness. If you kept everything that was commanded in the law, in the sense of that parable, you'd still be an unprofitable servant because you maybe did everything that, wasn't, or did everything that was in the law, but you didn't do anything above and beyond that. And that's, and that's the point he's trying to bring across to the, to the uh, disciples there in that parable. They, it's a situation where they start to put the, the emphasis on themselves and their own effort. And his point there is, if you did everything that was commanded, 
and he had just got done commanding them some very hard things, if you just did that, you'd still be unprofitable. Never think that your relationship with God is like that servant in that parable, because it's not. All right? but, but you realize that is what God requires of a servant. You see? Just be thankful that's not how your relationship with God works. It's not like a servant and master. It's like a son and a father. Now, if we go back to our text, remember as well that the Lord, remember the parable of the talents. I remember the man who had the one talent, that he didn't make a profit with it. He preserved it. He didn't waste it. Right? He just kept the one, the one talent. What did, what did the, when the master came back, what was the, the uh, reward for that man? He didn't get any reward, did he? That one talent was taken away, and it says he was cast out into outer darkness. Right? The other servants made a profit with what, what their master gave to them. That servant was an unprofitable servant. Okay? So the Lord puts a very high requirement on servants. My, my point is, don't think that your employer is somehow stricter than what the Lord would be with his servants. Because the Lord would require that absolute obedience. In most cases, even the worst employer is probably more lenient than some of those verses we just looked at uh, as far as what the Lord requires of servants. So in reality, you may think you have it bad, but in the absolute sense, you probably have it pretty good, even with, a, even with a, an unfair employer. Uh, and, and so he says to do it with, with goodwill, back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, when you serve men, you start to think, well, I can cut corners here because they're not going to notice, right? Or, uh, you know, you do a lot of that kind of rationalization. Um, again, it, when you're saying, I can do this because somebody's not going to notice, that's that eye service again. Right, doing doing it based on who's going to see and and you know what they're going to think of it, but the Lord knows everything. So when you're serving the Lord, that's that's why you can't do it with with eye service. That serving with eye service works with men because men are not all knowing and and omnipresent. Right, men leave the area and they don't see what you're doing, and you can serve them with eye service. You can't serve the Lord with eye service because He's always there. He always sees. He He knows all of it. And so if you're going to serve as unto the Lord, you would serve that employer as if he's always standing right there next to you, uh, looking at what you're doing and, and uh, overseeing all of it. Now, verse 8 gives a, a, a promise. It, it may sound, you know, you read those kinds of things, and, and you know, when you consider uh, some, of the, some of the masters that are out there, it sounds like the servant has a, has a pretty raw deal. But notice verse 8, it says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The, the reward, if you serve an employer, the way these verses describe, you aren't going to get your fair share from that employer. You're not going to get paid what you deserve from that employer. But you see, there is a reward, there is a payment. And it's much better than just a, a few extra dollars in the paycheck at the end of the week that, that you go out and blow on things you don't need anyway. Rather, it's an eternal reward. You see, it says, whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. And it's the same standard whether somebody was a, a bond servant, which in, in biblical times a bond servant basically had no rights before the law whatsoever. Uh, the bondservant didn't get any kind of a paycheck. He didn't really have, you know, there were a few legal requirements on masters as to how they had to treat those bondservants, but uh, very little 
right to that, that bond servant. But you see, the Lord treats them both the same. And he says, whether you're a bond servant, whether you're a free man, a hired servant, the good things that you do, what you ought to be looking for is not the reward you're going to get from that master, but the reward you're going to get from the Lord. Now, the reward, and, and I, I know most of you understand this, but uh, the, the reward is not eternal life. Eternal life is not a reward. Eternal life is a, is a gift. But for those who have received eternal life, there are rewards in eternity for the things that we do in faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's describing there. Now, after describing all of, all of uh, the, the uh, instructions there for the servants, in verse 9 he addresses the masters. Now, he took several verses, four verses, to address the servants, only one verse to address the masters. But I want you to notice, verse 9, it says, And ye masters do the same things unto them. Now, he just talked about how a servant is to be toward their master. When he turns to the master, he says, You masters do all the same things. Essentially, what he's saying to that master is he's saying, You need to serve your servants. Right? You need to do all the same things to your servants that I just told your servants to do to you. And he, he tells the master there to be a servant of his servants. Uh, ye masters do the same things unto them. Forbearing threatening. Uh, for, the, for the Christian employer dealing with employees, uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't deal with those employees based on the kind of, kind of threats often that employers use. There it says to forbear threatening. And it reminds that master, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Considering as a, you know, as a, as a master, as an employer, as someone who has people working for them, you're not the final authority. You have a master above you. You have a master that's in heaven and says, neither is their respective persons with him. Don't think that because you're an employer... That, that you have a higher status with God than an employee. See, there's no respect of persons with God. God doesn't care uh, you know, what the net worth is of your business. God doesn't care how many employees you have. God's looking for, for faithfulness. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today. And our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.